live in Summerlin. It's Cofield and Company from the Rampart Race and Sportsbook. All right, here we go. Rampart on a Wednesday. Rampart Race and Sportsbook. Love this place, Summerlin. We're not always in Summerlin, but we're in Summerlin today. Part. John Von Tobel. Well, not downtown Summerlin. Although on this show, it's been rebuked many times by Adam Hill that DTS doesn't work. So I love DTS. You do like it? You like the name? Yeah. Well, oh, oh, okay, okay. You meant like the. The moniker DTS. Yeah, yes. oh, he okay, won't okay. accept it. Yeah, it's a little clunky. I think using three initials in place of three words is very lazy. It's pretty lazy. Yeah, just go by like the full name. But I'm lazy, so I like to do that. I hope that joke caught on. We got it. Okay. We got it. So Rampart Racing Sportsbook. Uh, Dwayne Colucci is going to be with us in about an hour and forty-five. Tell us about week one, week two. The Colucci at the book. Yep, the Colucci. Uh, we'll tell you about the specials here. At the restaurants, uh, Earl Grey Cafe, Clubhouse Deli. The book is awesome. You put in a $50 parlay. Dwayne's going to buy you lunch. bunch of different options on that one. Lots to get to today. Big football day on a Wednesday. Starting to look at the uh, college football and especially the NFL line, so we'll get to those. We have a big controversy with Brett Favre unveiled once again as a dirtbag. And I say dirtbag, like a question, because we don't know that he's guilty in this case but more problems with money from the state of Mississippi. So we'll hit that in a little bit. Raiders injury updates, and our WNBA team is one game away from winning the title in that league. Impressive game last night. Nice adjustments. Let's get to it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. But we will start out with some big news in the Mountain West Conference, or is it? We'll find out at the end of the year, probably a couple months into 2023. Announcement today that uh, Kirk Thompson, the longtime commissioner of the Mountain West Conference, 24 years worth, is going to be walking away from the job at the end of the year. I'm not sure what his legacy is. I know there were some tweets put out by some media people today, some college football media people today that, said uh, Thompson was very pleased that he was able to help group of five conferences get a guaranteed slot in the upcoming 12-team playoff. I guess that's something to hang your hat on. He did? Well, he ha- he actually has been one of the voices of the group of five conferences. Yeah. Now, stability of the conference, I don't know that I would give him a an A-plus on that one. Aggression of the conference, I don't know that I would give him an A-plus on that one. TV deals for the conference. I don't think there's an A-plus on that one. So a lot of stuff to break down with Craig Thompson. But uh, I would hope they're going to get someone who's a little stronger on the TV end of things to help whatever they can do to get a better TV deal for the teams in the Mountain West Conference. And also, I'd I'd like to see them get aggressive with the conference. And instead of laying back and watching every other conference seemingly around the country – grab teams from other conferences uh, instead of just sitting back, mm-hmm. be aggressive. I would completely agree with everything you're talking about, uh, specifically from a TV deal standpoint, too. Uh, there are a lot of good programs in this conference, whether it's football or basketball, and they deserve a little bit more of a spotlight when it comes to television. I'm tired of watching non-conference Mountain West games on crappy streams on my computer. It, it is an absolute nightmare. 
or going to YouTube to search, you know, Cal UNLV so I can watch it because somebody decided for some reason to upload Cal UNLV the other day. That was great, wasn't it? Right. I looked too. I was like, wow, this is really crystal clear. Right. Whatever dude did this, we can go back and watch all the highlights. Yeah, uh, Saturday I heard was really – I was at the game. Saturday I heard was really tough. A lot of Rebel fans complained yep. about whatever Pac-12 now is. And just trying to get access to it. I had a nightmare. I could watch four minutes for free, and then that was it. And I'm not paying for Pac-12, whatever, right? So it was ridiculous. I agree with that. And the whole sitting back, and it's weird because I think aggression is a good word because they're kind of right now, it just seems like we're just sitting back and t- like they're twiddling their thumbs and being like, well, we'll see if San Diego State and others leave. Yeah. Like, you know, again, these are quality programs, both football, basketball, and good schools and universities. Yeah. You can add to this conference with some of these other programs that are kind of floating around in the ether and become a really solid group of five conference if you're aggressive enough. Now, in his defense, Craig Thompson, again, uh, commissioner of the Mountain West Conference, is going to be done at the end of the year. Uh, he does work for the universities. He does work for the presidents, and the presidents have to nut up too. Yes. So one thing I would love to see remedied in the future, I don't know when the current deal is up, but the crap that they pulled with Boise. Yep. Getting more money? No. That should never happen again. And as you and I predicted before the season, uh, Boise is going to level out here as a football program. And frankly, they should tell Boise, you want more money? Then go somewhere else. Start reaching out to some Texas schools. Start reaching out to North Dakota State. We'll get other schools in the conference. We don't need you. You'd be surprised, talking to Boise State, how few phone calls are out there, I think, for you. I think there's, again, we've talked about this a lot. When it comes to Boise State stature, I think they'd be surprised at the lack of attraction for a program like Boise. Not that they're a bad program, but again, market all of those sort of things. So I'm with you. Like, tell them to kick rocks if you're not happy with what's going to happen here. Because now, as the conference levels out, especially if we're talking about it from a football perspective, as these like these teams, Fresno State, much better. Air Force, obviously a very quality football program. San Diego State, we'll see what happens with them. To, to give a, a majority of it. To Boise State is ridiculous, and I would agree with that sentiment that you should not happen again. Raiders beat up after week one, so now we're waiting on the condition of Andre James, Trevon Merrig, Denzel Perriman, uh, uh, Nikel Roby Coleman was just signed to the practice squad because we know Anthony Averett is out for at least a month, and the O-line's in flux. Especially, well, I mean, even if James is is healthy, they they still need to figure out what they're doing at right tackle, John, what they're doing at left guard. Uh, Arum, the rookie, the third rounder out of Memphis, played well in limited action. Is he going to be the new left guard? Mm-hmm. We saw Johnny Simpson uh, say peace out on Twitter. I don't know if he's mad at Twitter or mad at the Raiders. That was the other day. Is Parham going to be the center? Right? So... We played the bites the first two days of the week from both Mick Lombardi, the OC, and Josh McDaniels, head coach. And they continue to go with the party line, John, that um, we're rotating seven guys because seven guys deserve to play on the O-line. That's weird. And they will not say, hey, we're rotating seven guys because we're trying to find the right combination, which is what they're doing. Of course. And like you said, I mean, the, the O-line as a whole didn't actually did not play well in any way, shape, or form. Even Colton Miller. Uh, struggled to a certain extent. Gave him a quarterback hit of a sack, two pressures. Uh, it was a overall relatively poor performance from this unit as a whole. So, of course, you're going to go through and try to find the best combinations. The problem is when you're playing in a division that has some really good talent up front and six of your games, well, now five because you played one of them, now five of your games going forward, 
are going to you have some dominant edge rushers that you're going to be facing, and that doesn't include the other opponents that you're going to have. You can't keep mixing and matching and trying to figure this thing out. It's almost like you probably should have addressed this with a little bit more urgency in the offseason, I would say. Well, we talked about the storyline in the offseason, and that was the O-line seems short on experienced players, and they may have an issue at one of the cornerback spots, if not both of them. You invested $29 million in a wide receiver, so that was their decision. So it was going to be short somewhere, and in game one it played out where it wasn't great. Uh, we're going to talk to Caleb Herring, former quarterback of UNLV and college football NFL insider in just a little bit. And we'll just take, you know, as a quarterback, uh, what happens when pressure like that is, is coming towards you? Um, and then what we saw in the game, if Derek Carr was a problem, if the O-line was a problem, if there were other issues in terms of protection, because the discussion is out there about, hey, you know, protecting the quarterback, getting the offense going is a team deal, not just individual offensive linemen or just the O-line. I wanted to get your reaction to another story that came out yesterday. And I have a feeling because we're so desensitized, like once a goal is accomplished, once something kind of becomes the norm, we're like, ah, oh, no big deal. Did you see that Devontae Adams signed a deal to become a brand yes. ambassador for MGM? He's the first active NFL player to be an ambassador for MGM. I think this is a big deal. Is it not a big deal? Like, are we far enough along in this whole acceptance of gaming and sports gambling and Vegas that it's not a big deal now? I would say it's a bigger deal. I'm kind of on both sides here because the names that we've heard prior to this have been like Charlie Blackman, you know, not like names that you kind of recognize, but not like stars. Devontae Adams is a star in the National Football League. He is arguably the best wide receiver in the National Football League. And to have this level of a name attached to a brand like that, I think is somewhat of a big deal. But I do think that we have become numb to it because it is becoming part of the norm. But I don't know what the Charlie Blackman equivalent in the National Football League would be. But this is like a pretty big deal, I would say, in terms of the level of star that you got. Again, I think it's a big step with the acceptance of sports gambling, the normalizing of sports gambling. It's not legal in every state yet. You follow the stuff closer than I do. There's still you know, a lot of fights going on. I know California is going to become a real battleground with a ton of money being poured into that state and politicians. Some on the other side are saying, no, no, no. And Think about where Vegas was, and I like to give this history lesson every once in a while. It was just seven years ago that Tony Romo was going to do a fantasy football convention in Las Vegas. They made him cancel his appearance, and the convention got canceled. It was 2005, for people who have been here for a long time, I'll call it the 53-inch TV rule, where the NFL came down on Vegas, sent basically cease and desist letters, and said, don't do big parties with TVs over this size. Yep. And that year, there was almost no publicity for Vegas' Super Bowl parties because they didn't want the NFL, who apparently had people on the ground, ready to measure the TVs. I remember covering this and how outraged that was. 2004, you couldn't even have commercials during the Super Bowl that mentioned Vegas. Not just the, you know, what happens here stays here stuff, like... They told NBC they could not advertise on their own broadcast the show Vegas. There was a mortgage company. Check that. Mortgage montage. I'm misreading it, and I read this earlier. Um, there even was a, just an ad that had a montage of the city's, you know, and images. Yeah. And no, can't do that. Mayor Goodman at the time was like, okay, we're, we're suing. This is getting ridiculous. So this league has always had a ton of power. 
a story that a lot of people haven't talked about. And this is not really – well, I guess it is kind of Vegas-related, although I think it happened in South Florida where sports gambling has always been big. This league has always flexed its muscle when it came to sports gambling and kind of the seedy side of things. You know, in 1969, Joe Namath owned a couple of bars, right? But they were known to have some illegal gambling characters, mobsters, organized crimesters who hung out there. And Pete Rozelle, the commissioner at the time, was like, you can sell the bars. And you look back on it, you're like, what? What are you, the government? What is this? Uh, Namath actually quit for a little while. Announced yeah. his retirement. He's like, I'm out. And then sold the bars. So this is a league that flexed its muscle for years and years and years against being connected in any way, even loosely, a guy's bar. Hey, there's a guy in there running numbers. Hey, sell the bar. But this is a league that was so afraid, PR-wise, to be connected to gambling. And now we've got Devontae Adams, who's going to be pitching the MGM. And a fellow wide receiver who's serving an indefinite suspension because he put in a few parlays as well. In that too, which we could go back way back in time to the early 60s when Alex Karras and Paul Horning, who were two of the biggest stars in the NFL, were sidelined for a while because they, they did the same thing. They placed bets on the National Football League. So look at how far things have come now in 60 years. And I will always give the guy credit. The guy who said it on this show probably eight – Nine years ago was Dave Koken. Koken would always kind of scoff, and he's like, the day that the NFL is juiced in on the gambling, everything will be okay. I'm like, yep. And he was right. <laughs> now are. they're juiced in, yep. and everything's all right. So now Devontae Adams can make money. And I would assume every, every city, because there are books in almost every free, not books, but casinos mm-hmm. in every state and city, I, I assume by the end of the year or you know, whatever, the end of next year, football season that there'll be a some sort of brand ambassador in every freaking city something like that i mean why wouldn't you right if this has been allowed this is it only opens the door one thing opens the door for the next and all of a sudden it's become a norm amongst national football league players and yet for some reason i just talked about all the bad things about vegas and all players who've been banned over the years who've been in trouble brett Favre is still embraced by the majority of the sporting public and when we tell you the latest thing, and it is the latest thing because he's had so many problems at the end of his career, during his career, and after his career. When we tell you about the latest scam that Brett Favre is accused of in cahoots with the Mississippi government, you're going to vomit and go, why did I ever back this guy? Why do I continue to back this guy? Why don't I look at him as one of the real you know, dirt balls who's played in the NFL and is around the NFL? Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's 12 to 24 in the paint, and that makes me so happy. Us. Hanging at the Rampart Race and Sportsbook, it's Cofield and Company. Hanging out here in the book. John, do you want to do the topic today? What is the real home run record? Boy, oh, boy. How many times I, I, I look happen? up? I look up and I see Kornheiser and uh, Wilbon. Listen, these guys have been on forever, so they've been on TV like as long as Craig Thompson was commissioner of the Mountain West Conference. That so topic been on. Forever. I cannot believe. Is, are there people still debating what the real home run record is? Oh yeah, really? There's like ten old guys that are watching this right now. I had a lady come up earlier, Jeannie, and. 
Like, she's a good baseball fan. She didn't want to debate the home run record. She was talking about how much the Brewers suck this year. Yeah. And that she plays baseball bingo. And I was like, man, that's kind of cool. Really? Yeah. And then I said to her, because she, she said, uh, she said she needs the Padres to lose. You know, the Padres are in the wildcard race with the Brewers. She's in a good spot. And she looked at the TV and she was like, yeah, that Machumpo. I was like, okay, that's pretty good on Machado. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's, that is good stuff. And then I, I looked at her and I was like, uh, I think I'd rather see you guys in the playoffs because I like your pitching better. And then she just kind of like shook her head and walked away. I was like, all right. <laughs> Didn't so believe in the Brewers. They deserve this. <laughs> I love it. Great specials down here at the Rampart. Earl Grey, overnights, midnight to five. We'll tell you about that. But uh, Clubhouse Deli, awesome spot. Go look at that menu, John. You're looking a little bit hungry. You're losing weight. Too much weight. Uh, they've got a sandwich of the month. Use your player's it. card. The Rampart Rewards card. Ten ninety nine sandwich of the month. Here we go. Big chicken. It's everywhere. Crispy chicken sandwich. Nice. Hello. Lettuce, tomato, pickle, little homemade sweet mayonnaise. Get the uh, the chips. You get a soda. Come on. Chips are like, I was going to say chips in a British accent, but I don't know how. Not those kind chips. of chips. Yeah. Chip. Actual potato chips. Traditional oh, okay. chips here at the Rampart. Great spot for food specials. And uh, we'll talk to Dwayne Colucci in a little bit about his $50 parlay card special. I can tell you about it now. If you uh, bet a $50 parlay card, they'll grab you a lunch. They'll give you a voucher. Or five bucks off the uh, Marketplace Buffet. Let's do this. So on the way back, those Becky Hammond come, everyone looked at me. They're like, is he going to remember? Because he's getting old. Is he going to remember what was played coming back? Yes, I did. Becky Hammond, speaking to her team, one, I was a little disturbed by it's 12-24 to 24 in the paint. Come on, let's get it right. 24-12. <laughs> But it was the look on her face. Did you watch this video? She is a woman possessed. She's, <laughs> She's like a- looking around, like like kind of almost Gruden like with the weird look. It's like I, I, you know, I'm so happy. And then she stands up, and I don't think she knew what to say. And she's like, "Us." You're like, all right. She was in the zone yesterday. She's awesome. She's. It, it does make you wonder because for years now. We had heard for how many times did Becky Hammond's name pop up on the periphery, whether it was college basketball jobs, whether it was NBA jobs, and what she's done with this Aces team. The second they started under her, you saw they were playing a different brand of basketball. You saw that they were, to use the cliche, taking the league by storm with their style, and it has gotten them to a dominant run here and within a victory of a WNBA Finals title, the first franchise history. Um but she has done a tremendous job, and you can tell her influence on this team, especially if you watched it from last year to this year and the different style in which they're playing on offense. It, it, it's been kind of – if you've ever wondered what a coach does for a team, watching what she's done with the yeah. Aces gives you a really good example of it. Addition by attraction personnel-wise, because Liz uh, Cambage is a pain in the ass and mopey and sorry she's well, got mental, she's a plotting me- big me- mental fit. health issues. And she, it's not the style of play you want to play. She wants the ball pitched down to her 40 times a game. That doesn't work. Well, it can. It worked 15 years ago in the WNBA. This style is FIBA style, you know, from the Spurs family. They get up and down. They score. They were not going to be held to 67 points again like they were in game one, so they were more normal on offense. And the other thing is, well, I, I almost feel like because Bill Ambeer is such a big personality and such a gruff guy that the team would look to him – to, to be the energy guy. And I think Becky Hammond gives him energy, but I also think some of Becky Hammond has rubbed off on the players. Because what did Asia Wilson, who's, who's a nice lady, what did she say that she said 
to Kelsey Plum after you know a, a not so great game one for Plum? Get your ish together. Just told her simply, just get your crap together. And I and that is like that is a very it's it's a very athlete type moment, right? And it's a, we can use the comparison in sports radio, Steve. We have these moments all the time. But really, when you can talk frankly to one of your teammates and not be like, hey, you're doing okay. It's like, no, I know you're better than this. Get your belief together because when you do, we're going to be better and we're going to win. And sure enough, Plum got her ish together, and they were great. It's also the mark of a good team that can win high-level games when you can communicate like that. Yeah. That everyone's not going to turn into a freaking baby because they're being forthright. Well, and to give Plum credit too, it also takes – so I guess thick skin, for lack of a better term, to take that, internalize it, and not right, kind of sink in and just be like, "Oh, these, you know, they don't know what I'm going through." I'm like, no, I've been garbage. Let me try to do whatever I need to do. And look, she only what was she? I think she was one of six from three point range in that game. She was much better though from an overall efficiency standpoint. She was impactful. Giveaway time: three six four eleven hundred three six four one one zero zero. Alice Cooper tickets. Ace Freely is the special guest, Dollar Loan Center, Henderson, Alice Cooper, Ace Freely, October 8th. That's a Saturday. You can get your own tickets at AXS.com. Ari's got a pair right now, 364-1100. Caller 7 to go see Alice Cooper and Ace Freely. Today's Cofield and Company is presented by Ellis Island Casino, home of the 24-7 Steak Special, 10-ounce top sirloin steak special for just $11.99 with your Ellis Island Players Club card. They generate a lot of negative plays, a lot of pressure on the quarterback, create a lot of third and long situations with negative plays. They're blitz packages. Uh, they got a lot of different personnel groupings that they use and very athletic blitzers. This will be a big challenge just for our whole overall operation, our communication, and then our ability to do our assignments once the ball snap. Former UNLV quarterback and current voice of the Rebels on radio, Caleb Herring is live right now on Cofield and Company. I expected Josh McDaniels, very complimentary of the opposition. Cardinals are good, huh? Betters don't believe that because his number has moved all the way up to five and a half. Raiders are the favorite. So let's bring in Caleb. I want to get to some NFL, also talk some Rebels, and then get specific to the Raiders. Caleb, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How you guys doing? We're good. I don't want to sit here and scream and yell and call Nathaniel Hackett an idiot for the move on Monday night. I think it's been hashed out. He also came back yesterday and said, hey, we probably should have gone for it. You know, we got locked into a mark, and, uh, you know, our plan got kind of screwed up, and we lost yardage on a play. Um, I wanted you to listen to this bite from Nick Wright, from uh, Fox Sports. He was on the herd, and he actually wanted to call Russell Wilson on the carpet for his role in that debacle. Colin, why didn't your guy call timeout? Why didn't Russell Wilson know, after 10 years of being great late in games, to minute left, we have all three timeouts, we must go for it here, I'm using one immediately. He's allowed to do that. And why, when Hackett says we're kicking a field goal, did he not say, no, we're not? That's an insane idea. There has to be some accountability for your guy, Russell Wilson, for letting this happen because he is the highest paid, most senior member of that company, Colin. Is that the way it works in the NFL, Caleb? What do you think? Just because the highest paid person in the org, aside from the owner, is the quarterback, should the quarterback be able to usurp the coach whenever he wants? 
I, I don't know if it's necessarily because of the pay. Uh, that would be silly because there's a lot of players that make more than the coach. Um, so I don't know if that's the reason I would say. Um, I would say that there's a certain level of trust that a quarterback should get to. And I don't know if, you know, you sign a guy to a contract like, like Russell's if you're not there, um, which is kind of why his contract being so big before even playing a single snap in game. I mean, that's his first game as a Bronco. And for them to extend him the way they did basically signaled that they have that kind of trust where he should he could call timeouts in situations and and be a, a louder voice, if nothing, if not the loudest voice with making sideline decisions. Um, and it, I, I don't think it's the money, but I think it's a trust. And I think there's guys that have established that. I think Richard Sermon actually said something similar on a podcast um, after the game that when we're talking about Russell Wilson, that there's quarterbacks that you you put in that situation where you question why the quarterback didn't make that. Like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, those kind of guys. If they are in those situations, do they do it? Um, and if the coaching staff has that trust, they, they'd be allowed to. Nobody would question it. They'd be like, hey, why didn't Aaron Rodgers do it? Is Russell Wilson that guy where, if you look at his career, really, has he been the guy in those situations where you blame the coach or you blame him? And, like, the only other really controversial thing that we can think about in the history of Russell Wilson, the call on the goal line to not hand it to Marshawn Lynch. Like, does, does we blame the coaching staff. We blame the for not making the call to hand it off to Marshawn. But did Russell Wilson have a duty then to, you know, to hand it off or to check the play or to call it, whatever the case may be? All right. Um, I don't know. I, but so I don't know if Russell Wilson's in that category, and I don't know if the money is what makes you in that category. It's, it's something on the field where you have an absolute command of the offense, an absolute understanding of the situation, and we have total confidence to live and die by you. Personally, I think, yes, Russell Wilson has the ball fourth and five. I lose that way instead of losing uh, with a 64-yard field goal attempt on the road. I, you know, I, that's just me personally. So I could understand why people are frustrated, obviously, but I don't know that Russell Wilson has reached that level um, of trust with, with Denver yet, where he's the one calling the timeouts and dictating what we're going to do and go for it. Who knows? They could have been saying that the mark was 65 yards to get in field goal range on the sideline before that drive even started. And I, that would probably be a silly way to approach that drive, but that could have been the thinking. And Russell probably just being a team player was just – Going along with that, and that being the game plan for that drive, getting range for a 65-yard field goal, as silly as that sounds. But, no, I don't think the money dictates it, though. Well, that's actually what Hackett said, right? He kept bringing up that was at the 44-yard line or wherever they were at at that point. Yeah. Uh, Caleb, he said in a, the follow-up press conference the next day, or was it yesterday, uh, Yeah, that he was like, yeah, we were shooting for that, that yard mark, and we got there, we felt comfortable, and really my regret is the play before that. I think going back to all of this, you talk about pay structure, whatever it is, it's what you're paid for, not how much you're paid. And you, as head coach, are exactly. paid to be a CEO, to manage this game, add wins at the margins with your decision-making, and Hackett didn't do it. Yeah, no, I, I think that's the exact way you look at it. The coach is supposed to put players, or the players, that are supposed to make the plays in position to make the plays, if that makes sense. So Russell Wilson is paid the way he is in order to be the difference in a game that's tight, one possession, you have the ball, go win it for us. That's, you're paid to be in that position. Put him in that position. The kicker's not necessarily, I mean, he is paid to make field goals. He's not necessarily expected to, and you don't pay him to be the savior of games unless he has to be. So in those situations, I like I said, like you said, I'd rather put the player who I'm paying a boatload of money to be the difference. Like everybody was talking about how Russell Wilson added to this roster is the difference to get them to be a Super Bowl contender. That was kind of the narrative when they landed the trade. Then you confirm that narrative when you, get the ownership and everybody is on board with paying him so much money 
at this stage in his career, basically finishing the rest of his career off as a Bronco. So you, you basically have said, yes, you're the guy. But then the first time we see him on the field, you say, nope, we're not going to trust you with it. We're going we're gonna to trust the 64-yard field goal attempt. It's, uh, uh, to me, that's like, uh, that's not the way I would approach it. It's not smart. I just, there's no real easy way to say that. That's just, you learn from it. Don't do it again. I, I bet if he had the opportunity to go back and replay those downs, he'd have Russell Wilson with the ball on fourth and five. And, you know, just like LaFleur had to take the criticism when, you know, they got eliminated from the playoffs and Rodgers didn't have the ball in his hand. They kicked the field goal to, you know, the two-possession game, how that ended for the Packers. You're going to get criticism if you take the ball out of your star's hand. We pay the stars to make a difference. Now let them go play and make a difference. Let's revisit the preseason in the AFC West here for a second. Uh, we had a healthy discussion about the pecking order in the AFC West, but I don't remember the Chiefs being dissed constantly, but Nick Wright, Kansas City fan Nick Wright, uh, was on her. Again, this was another part of the conversation I thought was interesting, and I wanted to have everyone jog their memory about predictions when it comes to the Chiefs. Fire this. Those plucky underdogs from Kansas City, number one. Because I don't know if you've heard, Colin, but Mahomes, they're not winning the division. I mean, they, they might finish third, those Chargers and those Broncos. And obviously, Patrick Mahomes is not the best quarterback in football anymore. No, Josh Allen. Oh, my goodness, Josh Allen. Have you seen the throws he can make? Listen, I understand the TV guys are all doing bits, but if one guy on Fox, Nick Wright, is going to actually pretend that Bart Scott or some other jabroni saying that the Chiefs aren't good and Mahomes has fallen and then turn that around as another bit, no one was writing the Chiefs off for real. No one was doing that. Were you doing it, John? No. Did you have the Chiefs missing the playoffs? You mean the division favorite Chiefs? Yes. You mean the, and that's the, the, other the thing. choice the, to win the, the Super Bowl Chiefs? Yeah. yeah, exactly. No one wrote them off, Nick. Cut it out. Caleb, did you hear people making a case that the Chiefs couldn't win the division and that Pat Mahomes was like seventh best quarterback? No. It's, it's, it's I, I don't know if I would call it clickbait, but nobody was saying that. If any, what we were saying was now with the rest of the, of the division making moves that they did, it's the best division in football. That was the conversation. That, right. that doesn't mean that the Chiefs are all of a sudden garbage. It's just an, an obvious statement. With the moves the Raiders made, with the moves the Chargers made, and with the moves the Broncos made, the AFC West is the best division in football. That was the story of the offseason, and that's been consistent. It's, there was a question of what the offense would look like without Tyreek Hill, and that's a valid question, but that, that doesn't mean we're writing them off. Like it, it's, we, we've been saying it in, the, in terms of, can the AFC West get three teams in the playoffs? Is that possible? Are they, is that division that good? And the Chiefs have never been, to my knowledge by anybody, picked to be last in the division. Like, so what, what does that say? And I, I don't, Josh Allen is there, he's coming. But to make it like a soundbite, like we're, we, we wouldn't have logical concerns when Tyreek Hill has been so phenomenal in Kansas City. Right. This is, like I said, the only concern that we've had. Tyreek Hill's been great. He's been arguably the best receiver in the AFC West or in the AFC for the last umpteen couple of years. So for us to question what that offense is going to look like without that piece, valid question. Then on top of that, it's week one. Are, are we overreacting to it? It's a great game by Kansas City, but are we overreacting to that? I mean, the Chargers are still there. The Chargers showed me just about everything I need to say or needed to see in order to say they could win the division now. It's not like it's Kansas City or nobody from the AFC West this year. That's all we've been saying. So I, Nick, Nick Wright is already not a big fan <laughs> of his. Just settle down. Like, calm, calm down, it's bro. Part of like, the game. It's part of the game, right? He's, <laughs> he's taking a side and acting like it's the Chiefs against the world. Uh, 
let's get a couple of takeaways from the UNLV game against Cal from Caleb Herring. Late in the game, Rebels are right on the doorstep. They, I think, got screwed on fourth down. We'll get to that in a second. But they definitely didn't deal with pressure with blitz as well when it counted the most. When you watch those plays back, is that on Doug Brumfield, the quarterback? Is it on coaches? I know Leaf Fountainot talked about, hey, you know, we didn't have enough guys to block. He wasn't blaming it on anyone. Like, we just didn't have enough hats out there to block the sixth person. So how did you view those plays where the blitzes are coming and it just it didn't give Brumfield much of a chance? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I think um, down in that area, goal to go, red zone, the field gets a lot more uh, tight. Um, and it's harder to identify where pressure is coming from. So I think that was one of the things, um, especially with Cal, they were very good. And we talked about this last week from UNOV standpoint of disguising and moving and creating chaos before the snap. If you watch some of those snaps back, they had guys standing basically at the same yard line at depth and in, in, in the back of the defense. And you wouldn't couldn't really pick who was coming because the, the field is so condensed down there. Um, they had guys from the secondary blitzing and applying pressure to Doug. Um, and a lot of the times in protection schemes, you don't really account for the safeties because they're usually farther back and you can't, you can see it if they're blitzing, obviously in the open field. Um, but I think Cal did a really good job of, of amping up the aggression one, um, creating some confusion pre-snap and then bringing guys from different angles maybe than they did earlier in the game. So the, 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 the trends that were established at that point were kind of out the window and Cal was, wasn't holding any bullets. They were, they're letting the chamber loose. Um, I think from a coach's standpoint, you get certain plays that you call um, that work out fortuitously. And it's like the first and goal play to Aiden Robbins was just a, a great call as far as the pressure coming off that wide edge, um, the play action running back who, who's been picking that pressure up for the most part all game long slips right past and two defenders go past Aiden Robbins and he's left open and you just don't execute it. And the, you know, that one people will look back at and say, obviously the quarterback got to make that throw. Um, Steve, you and I talked about it. I think, you're right. He's eyeing that comeback, the alpha play action. He's probably eyeing the comeback in the end zone. I think it was Ricky White uh, running the comeback in the end zone. Um, and as the pressure gets to him, he sees Aiden. And by that time, his mechanics already said he, he, he's aiming at that throw. And to come back down, he just couldn't get the throw off. So um, there's a lot. It's, it, it's not one part of it. I think on different plays during that, that goal-to-go situation, um, you know, you could say that one was on Doug. You could say the receivers got to get open. You know, they're bringing more than we can block. Receivers got to get open quicker. Uh, and then obviously the O-line maybe hold their box a tick longer. But unfortunately, the Rebels weren't able to convert there because I, I think they had a big opportunity to slip out of their hands to come out of Cal with a win. Let's listen to the uh, final legit scoring chance for the Rebels. It was a fourth and goal at the eight. Ari, fire this. Brumfield out of his shotgun, steps forward, hollers out some instructions as we wait for the snap. Here comes another blitz. Brumfield is pressured, fires for the end zone, incomplete. There's got to be a flag. Kyle Williams gets thrown to the ground there, and there's no flag. There's got to be a flag on that play. Can I just say really quickly? Yes. I was listening to that in my car. Great call, Caleb. <laughs> great. You can <laughs> hear the emotion. It was great. It, um, Thank you, man. It, That's what it I was, was going for. It was pretty <laughs> obvious. I was standing by the goalpost. And I looked over, and I'm like, he clearly threw Kyle Williams to the ground. And I started looking around. I'm like, wait, what's happening here? Tick, tick, tick. I'm like, there's no flag? Really? That's not it. That play is not even debatable. Yeah, there's, there's been questionable calls. 
that one was probably the easy. That's like what they teach you on day one at officiating school. It's like, this is a pass interference. Like that would have been the, the, the clip they play. And it's, it's, it's I, I don't want to sound biased, but there's obvious missed calls. And it happens all the time. Refs are humans. We understand that. But the way the emotions of that game had risen up to that point, there was a, a steady swell in that game from the beginning of the second half, you know, with things like the onside kick and the, the Cal fans getting nervous. And the, the energy in that in that stadium was was at, at, at a high for the crowd that was there. It was really high there. Um, you couldn't help but feel like um, UNLV did everything they could to to get to that moment and for that flag to not be thrown was just unfortunate and you, you watch the players on the field for UNLV even the players from Cal kind of drops do. there's a few of them that they drop do. their heads that are like yeah. oh my god that's a that's a flag Cal, the, the, and goal. the crowd knew there was a hush <laughs> in the crowd like everyone's like oh my god I what we what no flag it, it okay. was and, and and I'm I'm watching there's two officials because it's a goal to goal situation there's two officials that really have that part of the end zone covered right there's the line judge who after the ball snapped kind of starts watching the action then there's the back judge on that side of the uh, the back of the end zone they both have direct line shots and i've, I've looked at the clips they're, they're both there looking in the direction and if they missed it they missed it i it, it was i couldn't believe it from the booth because i i watched them stare at it and wave that yep. play incomplete as if they, 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 they swallowed the whistle anything. they either made the decision to swallow the whistle or they all choked and john was just pulling up the highlights video i'm watching it it's it's stupid it's and 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 the Cal, Wilcox with the fist bump after yeah, like they Cal, did something. Cal benefited from the fact that the game really wasn't on TV because it was buried. If that had happened, say in the NFL where everything is televised, it would have been a top five story of the week because UNLV absolutely deserve but, four more shots at the end zone. Can I and I can I just put my two cents in here yeah. too, Caleb? I know Marcus Royal program wants to win. I've got UNLV money line. I want a legitimately called game. I want the, the penalties that are called to be called. Absolutely. And it goes to the integrity of competition. And it's, it's when you wonder why people, why there's the, the worry about gambling, and, and we've seen it in sports before where officials are involved. Not saying that that's the case here. Let's be clear. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, as a better, that's gonna, I'm going there. I'm, you could make me slip into a depression over losing that as one of the games <laughs> on my ticket, right? Because... I don't want a flag to decide it. At least let the players decide it. You know, there's a lot of people that took UNLV. I think UNLV covered the spread, if I'm if I'm they correct. Did. But yeah, they that could have been a, a difference-making play there. Um, and for the officials, I understand the, the mentality of officials. And more often than not, they err on the side of caution and saying, we won't decide it by just not blowing the whistle. Well, this was one of those cases where you decided it because you didn't blow the whistle. I think blowing that whistle, UNLV with, I think, two, over two minutes left, in the game, has the ball first and goal on the one-yard line. Four shots with Aiden Robbins, the way that offensive line is playing, it would have been a, a safe bet to assume UNLV punches it in there. Um, and unfortunately, they don't get the call. Uh, and, and then on top of that, that second half, and really the whole game was riddled with UNLV getting calls against them that helped Cal in big spots. Um, so that, again, added to the emotional outburst or response from myself and, and from people watching it. Like, how can we can't get that one when it's the most obvious call in probably the history of passing interference calls. Caleb, we're up against it. I will talk to you later tonight. We tape a podcast, folks, a UNLV all-access podcast that drops on Thursday morning. So listen to that. Uh, also, the Marcus Royal Radio Show is coming up at 6 o'clock, and Caleb is one of the hosts of that, along with Russ Langer and myself. Caleb, appreciate it. Thank you. All right, guys. Fun as always. Have a good one. Did he mean it? Maybe.
Fun very, very frustrating at the end there. Got very see you on up. Saturday, man. I'm going to see him tonight. No, I mean me, though. Oh, that's I right. Got a big, I got a Would big you like gig. us to promote your, uh, your spot? For the first time in my life, I'll be stocking the sidelines for UNLV football. I've got the call. Sidelines. <laughs> on ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM this weekend for North Texas. John will be the Southern reporter on radio for the game. It should be fun. And halftime interview with the Royo and postgame interview. Well, we'll see. Uh, he, I might I got, run downstairs and do the postgame. I got two that. good questions. Like from, Wait, you know, like my, no, no. I mean, like, as in already? media availability on Monday, I think it was Austin Ajake and Marcus Royo who hit me with the, that's a good question. The, you, you so did, they know me. Yeah. They know me. Okay, we'll see. <laughs> I think if, I if they're if uh, if they're trailing at the half, we'll see how fr- <laughs> we'll see how friendly the coach is. I'm not saying Arroyo is any different than anyone else, right. but because uh, I've had a, more than a few times last year when uh, the Rebels runner Rebels didn't play a good first half, and Kevin Kruger's like, "Let's get this over with quickly, my friend." If, if I'm not in the mood to talk, if they're down by multiple scores, well, Marcus Arroyo will tell me it's a good question, John. <laughs> Probably not. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. Are you, in fact, perhaps the masked singer? They get all these things. So they got to talk about something. It wasn't me. I, I wasn't masked, and I'm not a singer, so <laughs> that, that wouldn't really fit my profile. I'm basically good at one thing, which is throwing passes. Other than that, I'm basically worthless. Nope. 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 Hanging at the Rampart Race and Sportsbook, it's Gofield and Company. Jim Gray and Tom Brady. Yeah. He speaks English. God. One of the great moments ever. What was that, a boxing match? <laughs> Jim Gray he was trying to, trying to use a translator. He assumed the uh, boxer couldn't speak English, so he asked the question and then gave the mic to the guy next to him. <laughs> and the guy responded, he speaks English. He's, oh. yeah. Good research. <laughs> As we've talked about, he's a swell fella, is he not, Jim Gray? One of the nicest guys I've ever met. Oh, my God. Well, have you met him? Uh, if you did, you probably wouldn't have a job at VSIN right now. Uh, I met him once. And it was a very, very short hello. Yeah. He got all pissy with former ESPNer Mitch Moss. I forgot what Super Bowl it was. Jim Gray did. And then, uh, from what we hear, uh, Gray made sure to try to stick it to Mitch when Mitch was trying to get the job at VEASAN. So. Yep. On the record. On the air. Yes. On the record, he's kind of a D-bag. He's, he's a crumb. <laughs> but somehow he's gotten in with Tom Brady. Oh, I just got a text. I got fired from VEASAN just now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I, I didn't get that from you. <laughs> that, was, that was readily available behind the scene uh, a while ago. So, I don't want to go crazy on the situation because I don't want to say I'm always on the guys' team because there are guys who are crap like Jim Gray. Um, but the Giselle Brady thing is really irking me. And, and I don't – I've spent a lifetime, like half my life, 40%, not liking Tom Brady. Okay. But this Giselle not showing up for the first game, sending a tweet, now it's slowly leaking out that she's continuing to bust his horns about spending more time at home. Yeah. He's 45 and he plays football. She's the breadwinner. She he commands can, the household. By the, by the way, can we stop this with the breadwinner? <laughs> it is such nonsense. No, it's not. Cut it out. She makes way more money than he does. He's lucky. He's got. He's She's got been a, dragging him around. Stop. You're having being, to take you're, care you're of him. You're being sarcastic because he's, he makes a pittance. He's made. He's made like three hundred million dollars in his career. He's got a. He's got a three hundred and seventy-five million dollar deal on the way from TV. 
the, the whole deal here is there has to be compromise in a marriage. And in the case of Tom Brady, John, he's going to be done with this soon. There's a finite survival here for his football career. It's going to end. He's going to be home. Maybe she's like all of us. Why be the freaking dream crusher? Maybe she's like all of us. Secretly, she's been like a Jets fan this entire time. And she's just like Tom. Stop. Can we just watch Tom Brady at the the peak here? Maybe maybe their kids are just that big of nightmares. 